around North America coming to you on In Goal Radio, the podcast brought to you by the Hockey Shop, Source for Sports, Source for Sports Surrey. I'm Darren Millard along with David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley, the co-founders of In Goal Magazine. Today's episode will feature the Bauer Mock Chesty and some of the worst man jokes I've ever heard out of that offering between Cam and Woody. And we'll also have a great conversation with Jenny Harz in the feature interview brought to you by Sensorina. Harz, a veteran of the German national team, just retired, uh, a double Olympian, won an NCAA championship at UMD. That's all coming up as we say hello to the fellas. Uh, did you go to dad school school? Dad joke school there, uh, Mr. Woodley? What happened before you taped that with Cam? I don't remember this particular episode, but... I am pretty good, according to my kids, with bad jokes. So I will, uh, yeah, I must have gone to dad school, dad joke school at some point. I've, I'm a dad. What can I say? Like, that's that's what we do. It's what we do. And today is the day as we record this that we celebrate our bad jokes and bad sneakers and poor dressing habits. It's all about, it's dad day. It's Father's Day. Let's uh, let's embrace our dadness. Where are you guys on the high sock level? Are you, Are you getting there? Uh, little, little some brown socks up to the uh, up to the thigh, there, Hutch. No, I I threatened to get the uh, white Velcro shoes from Costco, but the kids won't let me do it. Best little promo I saw for Father's Day might have been pure hockey, but I'm not sure who did it. Was a picture of a dad lacing up a pair of white New Balance skates. Oh, that's good. yeah. So that was that was very creative. Probably should have done it as white Bauer Connect skates. That's more the equivalent of the, uh, you know, the Velcro from Costco. But I'm not. I try not to be too dad like yet. But many Let's dad give the, jokes. Uh, connect uh, the Connect skates a, a little love. You guys were at the fitting uh, a little while ago. Uh, yeah. In Goal Magazine was all over it. Uh, some time now to to absorb it. Uh, Hutch, where, where what do you think? What's a what's sunk into that brain of yours? Well, I mean, I'm not the one lucky enough to get to use them, unfortunately. But yeah, at the fitting, um, the Bauer rep came into town and just sort of called a bunch of the guys sort of from Western League through NCAA and Pro uh, in town uh, to see if they wanted to try out the skates and did some fittings. And so we got to talk to a number of goaltenders there, quite literally coincidentally, ended up on the ice with three of them the next day. So uh, feelings, the fit, uh, you get a custom fit right out of the skate oven. And it's not just the liner. I think a lot of people think the liner molds, um, but the boot itself becomes quite malleable and molds to the foot as well. And so one goaltender always had to have sort of, you know, a foam donut in there all the time, no longer needs to do that uh, because these skates fit so well. Another one, the fit wasn't perfect, but next day threw them in the oven at home. Another thing we've talked about before (laughs) and, uh, and remolded them. And then they were fantastic. Uh, the biggest thing that people notice, of course, is uh, the comfort, which is off the charts, and then that forward flexion, which I think it can be as much as 20 degrees. 22. 22. There you go, Woody. Well done. Your your brain's better at retaining things than mine. Um, so much so that I believe for a, a few of the pros who found it a little unsettling, they've even put a shim in there to restrict how far they go forward. But none of these guys that we were with have, have done that. So a couple things in terms of uh, beyond just the comfort was uh, when pushing, when pushing down, you're down on the ice in the butterfly, and then you make a little push. Uh, One, easier to grab an edge. Two, easier to grab a full blade edge. You know, sometimes we have that discussion with people. Do you push with your toe? Do you push with your heel? 
Some people push with the full blade, but now it's much easier to do that because of the forward flexion. Um, it's not quite the same as just leaving one eyelet undone on your regular skates, as I know a lot of people do, because that then, of course, creates some mobility both laterally and forward and back. Whereas in this case, you're only getting the forward back flexion. You're not getting the lateral. So you can retain that lateral stiffness for strong oh, pushes. Yeah. Never thought of that. Yeah. And then, uh, and then was also told that getting out of the RVH, that push to stand was much easier because of the mobility um, of the ankle as well. So I don't think any of the guys that we were with are looking at going back. I know at least uh, two of them have made orders for another set for the coming season and uh, continue to use them. Okay, wh why would they make uh, an order for another set? Because they were just trying them out? Well, these are demo sets that Bauer provided them with. Okay. And uh, how that all works, I actually don't even know whether they get to keep them or have to send them back at some point. But I know one of them definitely, a couple of them would definitely put in orders with their trainers at their teams. So. Okay, good. I, I was just uh, wondering if people were thinking that they needed two pairs of skates for, for the no, year or something like no, that. Okay, no, no. But, 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 but what you can do because of this new liner is if you really like dry skates, uh, we've heard of one pro, an American leaguer who, uh, keeps three of those liners so that he can switch them every period. Uh, if you happen to be a goaltender who you know plays a lot of tournaments or does two a days in the summer or something, you could have a couple of those liners and switch them out if you like dry skates all the time. And we have a great piece uh, on the website. We do not have a great piece on the oh. website on these yet. No, um, I thought I saw it. Uh, you saw something on Instagram. Yeah. So Kevin put okay. up a number of pictures uh, on IG and little a few comments there, and then obviously as always, there's great discussion that follows from the people who want to talk about the actual things that are going on to the people that judge them just on looks right away. But uh, anyway, if you want to go uh, have a look, one of the questions that does come up a lot is you'll see in a lot of the photos around, there's a set that are uh, pretty much solid black. And then there's a set that have these uh, bright fluorescent green highlights. That's the retail model. Um, some of the pros are being seated with some black ones right now. That's what you see Vasilevsky in. I don't think there's any plans to have the black ones available at retail just yet. But as we know, Bauer loves customization of everything. So it's probably not too far down the pipeline that we'll be able to see some custom colors in the skates as well. Well, let me, uh, I have not worn them. I did not get a set, but let me share the uh, feedback from a guy who has been in them all season and is currently playing for a Calder Cup championship in the American Hockey League. Uh, we all know that Andre Vasilevsky is uh, in the cup final wearing them after switching in mid-December, but Charlie Lindgren has been in them all season with the St. Louis Blues. Of course, we've talked about him, had a great year um, this season, both in the AHL and when he got called up for five games this year in the NHL, he went 5-0 and with a 9.58 save percentage. Sent some feedback, says, I feel like I'm a lot more on the front of my feet and on my toes. That's definitely one thing. The other is ankle mobility I have in the skate makes me a lot more dynamic and athletic when I feel like I need to be. Same tightness every time I put them on is great because I like, I feel like I have consistency in my skate. So there's just a little bit of quick feedback from somebody who's been in them for a while. And it's interesting, you know, on the pro front, I don't know if, like I said, I, I'm not sure what the circumstances are. It maybe with the goalies that Hutch is talking to, whether they are ordering a second set, but I think it would be interesting for people to realize that like at the NHL level, uh, especially in, in some brands, like goalies go through multiple sets of skates a year. It's not quite like gloves and pads where you can get into the double digits, especially on the gloves. But there are goalies that go through definitely more than one pair of skates a year uh, in the NHL. And in some brands, uh, I've heard stories of as much as five when they soften up. 
um, guys wanting to get back to that stiffness. So that's the one thing you don't sort of, you know, as, as, as out of the ordinary as this seems, the one thing you shouldn't lose is that ability to have that tight, like it's not, that plastic isn't breaking down over time um, like, like a, a skate can. So there's some consistency there. Again, it's, it's, you know, it's much like the original Odin pad. This was a concept car project for Bauer and it's yielded some, you know, some interesting results, some eyebrow raising results in terms of how it looks. But the feedback from the guys in it right now, for the most part, is really positive. Hey, do you think it will get to skaters? I think I asked you guys off there about this uh, a while ago, but do you think it gets there? I don't know. I honestly don't know what the, like, do they need the forward flexion like as much in uh-huh. the, you know, like, like I just don't know. Like this is how out of touch I am with skater dynamics compared to goaltenders. Like it's just such a different thing that I honestly, I'm trying to think of the, the benefits of these, whether they apply as something that a skater would see as helpful or not. I'm not sure. I, I, I don't <laughs> think so, but I stand to be corrected on that. I have no idea either. My, my short answer to players would be who cares. Um, but, but I, I kid, uh, but if you look at speed skaters, maybe that's something you, you think about, Oh, you know, yeah. they've got a shorter boot because they want flexion. And if you have that flexion, you can keep the blade on the ice longer for a better push. But I have no idea. Well, some, the, the one, player, here's one for somebody you. Somebody who's a skills coach, hop in there and let us know, please, in the comments somewhere, send us a note. What do you think? Here's one for you from a player perspective. Would it be more protective? In an era where we right. see how many guys go down a year because of blocking shots and and fracturing bones in their feet, blocking shots, I wonder if there'd be any value out of there. I honestly don't know because obviously, for a goalie, you only worry about the toe area and and all the feedback has been fine on there. The rest of the skate's not getting hit. All right, then from the toe to a solid foundation, uh, Darcy Kemper has given the Colorado Avalanche a, a nice lead in the Stanley Cup final. He is an unrestricted free agent. Uh, I don't know how much he's affected his overall value going to the uh, open market this year because I've heard some of that talk. I think it's important for us to uh, really uh, separate that discussion from his importance to the Colorado Avalanche in these playoffs. Uh, Hutch, this is a goaltender that has been, when he's been playing, very consistent and done the job that he was brought in to do. 100% he has. I think if nothing else, he solidified himself on other teams' lists when they're going after free agent goaltenders this year. There's going to be a few guys near the top of the list for teams, and I think you might have had various reasons that people want to go one way or the other. I think this probably bumps Kemper if they are able to complete uh, and, and get the win. I think this would bump him to the top of a lot of teams' lists as a result. They Because one of the great questions, of course, when you go out and invest in a goaltender, is not, is he good? Uh, I think we know whether somebody's a good goaltender or not, but can they get you over that hump? Can they add more than the next guy? Can they be the person who takes you through the playoff pressure, perform when needed, make the saves that have to be made? Kemper's absolutely shown that. I mean, he's shown with a great regular season. He's shown in the past that winning a world championship last year, but obviously this is the ultimate test. And you'll have some people without a doubt that will look at metrics and say it hasn't necessarily changed where they see him however we also spend a lot of time on here guys talking about the Vesna trophy vote and accusing general managers of looking at nothing but wins and perhaps save percentages 
if if there are general managers like that, then surely they're going to be happy to look at a guy and say, yeah, he's got a Stanley Cup. He's the one I want on my team next year. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Uh, using the the Woody uh, stance uh, when he talks about that Vesna Trophy, and, and on a flip side, it's listen. You're not gonna Darcy Kemper's value is gonna go up if he's got a Stanley Cup on his resume. He won a World Championship last year. The ability to not deviate from your game, the ability under pressure in the spotlight, especially in a Stanley Cup final, to just sort of continue to play your game, not chase, not try and do too much. Like those all have value. Um, he had another pretty good season after a slow start with the Colorado Avalanche. In the second half, he was really good. And he worked himself into the fringes of the top 10 in the National Hockey League on the whole this year in terms of his performance relative to expected. Mind you, behind a team that is exceptional defensively. And we've seen that in the playoffs as well. Coming off a shutout last night in Game 2, but much like the Game 2 shutout that Pavel Francouz had in the Western Conference Final, nothing. Like literally one high-danger chance in Game 2 for the Tampa Bay Lightning, one mid-danger chance. I think in the Game 2 in the Western Conference Final, Francouz was no high-danger and one mid-danger. Like expected goals less than half, like just really quite literally did not have to do much. And yet you have to not make mistakes. You can't let in one of the low percentage shots because that could derail you. And so he gets credit for that. At the end of the day, I think not much in my opinion, like Darcy's still Darcy. Like there's still a lot to like in his game. There's still a pretty significant track record of success. There's also still questions about an ability to stay healthy. Um, if you're going to pay big bucks for a number one, how many games are you getting out of him? I think that followed him from Arizona, and there were still instances where that was a part of the equation this year, um, although perhaps not as much as it was in Arizona. So I don't know how much has changed, but I got to think that the outlook increases with the Stanley Cup on the resume, regardless of the fact that right now, the Colorado Avalanche are up 2 nothing in the Stanley Cup final. And out of the 30 goalies to play in the playoffs so far, theirs ranked 22nd and 23rd in adjusted save percentage. In other words, they are winning without needing to lean heavily on their goaltending at all. They are winning with goaltending that is below expected, below average. Um, I don't think that means you can win with terrible goaltending. And I don't think that discounts what Darcy has done throughout his career. I'm just not sure it should be like if he hoists the cup, people are all of a sudden like six times six on the next contract. He's the next one. Like, I think you have to look at Philip Grubauer transitioning from behind this same Colorado team who, again, couldn't stay healthy, couldn't get them through the playoffs either. But going then to a team that defended a lot, you know, a lot less rigidly in Seattle in his first year. Uh, everything fell off the chart. So you got a grain of salt in both directions. It certainly doesn't hurt Darcy to have a Stanley Cup on his resume, but I'm not coming out of my boots to sign him as a free agent just because of it. Uh, his ability, and well, Pavel's as well, to uh, come up with big saves at the right time and not be overworked or have a majority of the play and the pressure at the other end has been impressive. It's almost like he's already gone to the Pete Fry mindset seminar that that's coming up uh, and creeping up on us very quickly. If you would like to have the mindset of a Stanley cup winning goaltender, uh, you have to work at it. We often talk about mindset being 50% of the game, 80% of the game. Goaltending is mental and it's the separator between an average goaltender and a great goaltender. 
Yet how much time does the average goaltender invest in their mindset? How much time do they train uh, to have the mental game that they need on and off the ice? This is a great chance to spend a day with a guy who has helped countless goaltenders take their game to the quote unquote next level, uh, including uh, at the NHL level, and to learn some of those skills, to become a better goaltender, to have a better summer of training, to be more prepared when the fall comes around, to earn the spot on that team that you're going for. So uh, why don't you come and spend a day with us? Uh, Woody and I will be there. Darren will be there virtually. Pete tells me that so far he's got one pro who's going to be there. I believe three Western League goaltenders and then a number of other people as well. And that's that's in person. Those guys are there. So if you'd like to come and uh, chat goaltending, learn a little bit from Pete, we do encourage you to join us next Saturday, the 25th of June. It's in Vancouver. And you can also join us virtually. And you can sign up for that through ingoalmag.com. In fact, if you happen to be an InGoal Premium member, there's a discount available for you as well. Go check out ingoalmag.com and uh, sign up. Join us online. Join us in person. We'd love to see you. And if you're coming from out of town, you know what you can do? The double dip. You want to drive in, say you're coming from the interior for this. You come down, you hit Pete on the Saturday, right over to the hockey shop on the Sunday, where you can check out all the latest and greatest uh, the Bauer Mock Chesty, which we're about to get to in our gear segment. How about the Bauer Mock Pads, CCM Axis, two pads, gloves, chest protector we had last week. Big supply of the Bauer Mock sticks in stock. Um, all the new gear that is coming in for the spring and for the summer is on hand at the hockey shop. And that also means great discounts on last generation's models. So with the Mock going or arriving in stores, the last generation of Supreme is the ultrasonic and that's on sale now at the hockeyshop.com a lot of stuff on sale it will be all summer make sure you check them out at the hockeyshop.com and if you happen to be coming in town to see pete's mindset seminar on the saturday we're going to take up most of your day but they're open on sunday you can check them out in person out at surrey at the hockey shop and the hockeyshop.com and the pete fry mindset seminar you're not just listening to five hours of speeches you're going to be fully involved it's more workshop e and i love that idea of of an in goal double header a twin bill uh, on the saturday and the sunday between the seminar the workshop and uh, as well a little visit with the hockey shop that sounds tons of fun it's a perfect goaltending weekend isn't it yeah our producer, our uh, director, our uh, man uh, that has the uh, the finger on the pulse is David Hutchison. He's uh, getting the credit for producing all of these gear segments over at the hockey shop. I got a behind the scenes uh, look at uh, what we did today with the Bauer Mock Chesty, and you are a Steven Spielberg in the works, Mr. Hutchison, which makes Kevin Woodley the star of our show. Kevin most definitely is. He is. He's he a is. diva. I am. I am no Spielberg, but he is definitely the star of the show. When Hutch is filming Face these the franchise, things, we call him. It's like herding cats. Poor Hutch. No, no. He is. A, he is a diva. When I saw some of the outtakes and the different things, like get my side, get this side, get get my good side. Uh, don't get my bad side. It was. It was good. Try this. Do this. It was awesome. I enjoyed every second of it. It's it was a giggling. lot of fun hanging out with the boys. That's for yeah. sure. Uh, so we've got the Bauer Mock Chesty, Cam and uh, and Woody. Uh, we got elbow mobility in this, uh, sternum rebound control, and uh, we've got the scrap strap as well as we visit with Cam and Woody 
over at the hockey shop source for sports Surrey with our gear segment on in goal radio, the podcast. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. We're down here in Goalie Utopia, surrounded by the latest and greatest, and I'm not kidding, it's that time of the year where we're launching new gear. We already showed you the mock pads, mock blocker, mock glove. This line is perfect for us because I like nothing more than to mock cam, except I'm actually in the mock chest protector, so I guess I'm going to be... I will be mocking be... you then. Yeah. We probably should have done this the other way around and <laughs> made you play dress up, eh? So... Other than the fact that I've got this on, got the wrist cinched up, I can tell you that I need a haircut and put the hat back on, no problem. Like this thing, I'm trying to think, like it's a little stiffer than a sweatshirt. If you remember when we had like two generations ago on 2X Pro. <laughs> Help me out here, 2X Pro, folks. That thing was like putting on a hoodie. Okay, This here we isn't go. quite hoodie. It's a little bigger and a little stiffer through. But man, the mobility out of the box on this thing, like I feel like... Like, I actually, as I put it on, I thought somebody's broken it in, but then I sniffed, and I knew that you were the only one that had been in it, and I'm like, well, it doesn't smell, so Cam didn't break it in, so, like, is this really out of the box? That's <laughs> out of the box, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed. So tell me what we got here. What's going on? What's changed? Well, I, you have I, I, I can't even see it, because it's on me, and we don't have a mirror, but I can feel it, so you just tell everyone what they're yeah, seeing. Yeah, you're currently let's, wearing... Let's get this out of the way. The new mock chest, all right? So, improved, and a little bit of a redesign from the ultrasonic chest, which introduced those amp arms in the first place. So that hinge design um, that you see here. So, Bowers refined the design, up the arm protection a little bit, because that was a little bit of the weak point on the ultrasonic. Um, added a new sternum style plate, and much more ventilation out of the back, and we'll cover kind of those key features. Oh, maybe that's why it doesn't stink, even though you've had it on. No, just make sure that you don't start sweating when you don't know the answer. Keep talking. <laughs> okay, so Bauer, starting with the arms, because that's one of the coolest features of the chest. Their AMP 2.0 system. So why is it 2.0? Um, upgrading the arm in terms of the overall protection and the flexibility out of it. I mean, Kevin's not lying. He's sitting there flexing around in this arm super easily. The mobility fresh out of the box is fantastic for these guys. Um, overall feel-wise, fit, everything like that, once you dial it in and get it all adjusted up, again, that's one of the you know, supreme features for the chest, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> supreme? Yeah, it's did not it so again. bad, right? There King we go. The puns. <laughs> Arm out. That way, perfect. So they have redesigned their actual arm adjustment feature. Before it was done on a draw sting, they've now taken this from the actual uh, Hyperlite chest itself. Um, simple Velcro design to be able to pull that arm up and get it adjusted up to your overall height and what you need. That's for you at home, Hutch, with the short arms. There you go, you got them. So, rebound control foam now into the sternum plate of the chest. This will really help you to absorb any of those chest shots, help to cradle that puck, not have it go bouncing and flying away. Great additional feature for the chest. Bowers added a lot of their aerofoam all the way around. Um, still basing. Aerofoam is? Oh, their Thermocore Zero now is what they're calling it. So what this will do, lightweight, HD foam, but it's also very breathable as well. So when Kevin actually stands up and we'll take a look at the back plate of the chest, we can see how that's concaved a little bit more and it has that foam all the way throughout. That will really help with airflow for the chest all the way throughout. Tuck, untuck. How does this? We got a little loop here for tucking. You can. Oh. I like how it's flexible. 
Feels like it's a tucker, but. And now it's really, it is a personal preference sort of situation, so. But, but some chest protectors do one or the other better they than They do others. a little bit better, yes. And it also includes our favorite, the fight strap on the back as well, which we'll show here in just a second. Okay, rest of the front, anything else we gotta do? I mean, I feel like this would almost be NHL legal. Maybe it is, I haven't checked to see if this is a, because like the arms are rounded. They're, they're not, I mean, right. those forearms are really, they feel nice and protective, but they're a little rounded. They're not squared off. The cheater in me might like a little more squareness, but. I know at my level it's legal and it's ready to rock and roll. So, I mean, hey, you can customize this chest at any time. So if you feel like you do need a little bit more arm Including protection. Including graphics too, am I? Yeah, stealing my thunder here a little bit. We're just about to get to that. So before we get to that graphics portion, forearm, bicep, all able to be beefed up. Shoulder floaters, able to be beefed up. Color at a standard, able to do, but now offered in digiprint design. So if you're anything like Kevin and you want to see your hair and what it really looks like without having to look in the mirror, you can take a picture of your face and you can get that imprinted onto the shoulder photos himself. How about that? How neat is that? I'd get your face implanted on it and then I'd just make chest saves all day. It's perfect. You just know that I'm the one protecting you. Had a comeback for that. Can't believe it. So now that we have Kevin turned around, we can actually see that back plate and that foam design. You can see how it gets all, all that airflow all the way through. I'll keep him cool as he's moving around. We don't want him sweating too, too much here. Um, we also can see the back of the arm design as well. So if we get Kevin to flex both of his arms, check out that amp in terms of that movement. We can see how that system actually moves. You can also see how we get a little bit of that tricep protection, just an extra flap that rolls over the back, just in case when you're going up and making that shrug save or anything on the post, reverse, you do have yeah, a little bit of that. Yeah, that's good for reverse. And exactly, then. exactly. Again, quickly showing off that fight strap, one of my favorites for all that scrapping that Kevin does while he's out on the ice. Again, overall, great chest protector, great design, great overall feel. If you've got questions, about how to customize it. Some of you may have seen, I think there was a Blue Jays one, really cool with the, with the custom digiprint. It's basically over this area, over the shoulder floaters primarily. I understand that, right? You got questions on how to get your mock Supreme chest protector, how to get it customized, whether it's custom digiprint graphics or just as Cam said, custom features in terms of beefing up the shoulder floaters or the arms or just how to get yours off the rack retail and make sure it's sized correctly, hockeyshop.com or check Cam out with a phone call and ask him questions at 604-589-8299 or 1-800-567-7790. And don't forget, any of the guys that pick up the phone in the gold department, they'll be able to help you out just as well as I could. Some of them better. Did you notice in that gear segment? Like we had the sit down shot, we had the stand up shot, we had Woody moving around. There was like edit upon edit in that thing. I thought I was watching Star Wars Nine. Well, I think first of all, we got to remind people that that are just listening to it to make sure they go check it out on YouTube to see all the fancy work that Hutch does to make us look good. Make sure you check it out. Hit like, subscribe, all those things on our YouTube. We post it on IGTV as well. Uh, but for those of you that are listening, that might be a little tough to envision me popping around and moving around all over the place. Hutch did a great job with it, though, as always. No, it was it was solid. It was very, very well done. Uh, the, the best part was the Thanks, outtake, guys. which I will walk people through because you're not going to be able to see it because that's why it's an outtake, is watching uh, Hutch walk in front of the camera to get to his director chair. 
and then come back and adjust because he was cameraman and director and get back to his camera and then walk back. Uh, there was a lot of steps uh, in that thing. Just like uh, our feature interview this week uh, brought to you by Sensorina, Jenny Harz from the German national team. Boy, did she accomplish a whole lot in her time in the game. Uh, we'll get into some of her accolades uh, as we enjoy the uh, exposure and the working relationship with Sense Arena Hutch. Sense Arena brings the feature interviews to us every week. And every week, I can tell you more and more goaltenders get into Sense Arena for their training because of InGoal. Uh, the folks at Sense Arena send us a little report, just let us know how many people have come through InGoal. And it's exciting. I just actually, I can't believe how many people are picking it up every, every week, guys. If you're interested in trying Sense Arena, go to the Sense Arena's website, sensearena.com, place your order, put in the code IGM50, as in InGoal Mag 50, and uh, you get a little extra savings on top of whatever deal might be available at that time. And it's your chance to use Sense Arena. And I think the summertime is an incredible opportunity to start using it. Ice time is a little bit more scarce. You're not practicing with your team as you always are. Beer league guys probably aren't even on the ice at all. And yet you can pop on that Sensorina headset and get a very realistic experience uh, training on the ice. You learn to read releases. You learn to read uh, plays that develop in front of you. There's even some hand-eye coordination activities so you can get in there and develop your skills. I would really recommend that people get in there and use Sensorina every day this summer. 15 minutes. That's all it takes, guys. And you can make a big difference in your goaltending. I know the headset's being used in this house all the time, and I know it's making a difference. And I just highly suggest that everybody take advantage of one of the best tools that's available out there to help you become a better goaltender. Um, I'm sure it's the best off-ice tool that's available to everybody. So grab Sensorina now, give it a try. I want to say it's being used in the Stanley Cup playoffs too, because uh, I'm pretty sure Pavel Francouz is one of uh, one of their regular users that is true. of the Sensorina platform. So. Um, you know, I, we haven't, haven't had to see him in the cup final, but obviously he did a good job in the Western conference final. And I'd be interested one of these days, we'll have to pick his brain and ask him just how much a part of his training and his preparation during the conference final that was. Cause I know he's a user for sure. I have a new talking point on Sensorina in working with it. Uh, it seems like every week, um, one of my favorite new, uh, ideas is just the ability to increase your talent working when traffic. Like it is awesome, just getting comfortable with that, and it is uh, it's a it must be a huge benefit for those that actually deal with legitimate traffic uh, in in higher levels of our sport, but also those of us that are just playing in a rec league level and may have the odd screen or two. Oh, that's a great point because how many players in practice actually want to stand in front of the right, soak up those shots that uh, that they have to do to screen you properly, and yet how many coaches will tell you? One of the biggest things that changes is you step up in levels from minor hockey to junior hockey to pro is the traffic that you have to deal with in front of you. So what a great tool Sensorina is for that as well. We will take uh, this off-ramp uh, to the Sensorina feature interview on InGoal Radio, the podcast, uh, chatting with Jenny Harz. Woody, do you want to go right into it or do you want to set this up uh, because she's had an accomplished career? Well, I think let's let's just set it up this way. and. I think one of the, somebody we probably should have had on long ago, you'll hear us talk a little bit about it during the interview. And this interview isn't so much a career retrospective, although we go through the various stages and the very evolutions of her game, but there's a lot of advice in here. She's really good at sort of taking questions and turning them into, you know, things that she learned along the way that you can apply 
as a goaltender, no matter what level you're playing at, whether you're playing as a pro or working your way up towards the pro ranks, whether a young goalie starting out or even even us rec league, beer league goaltenders, there's advice in here uh, that will translate well for you. But because we didn't really get into that, we kind of used the career as a platform for those lessons. Uh, I just want to say, I think she's one of those goalies that on a better team, more people would know more about her. She was for a long time, uh, in the opinion of a lot of people that that watch the women's game closer than I do, admittedly, um, you know, one of the top women's goaltenders in the world. And just because she was on one of those teams that didn't compete, you know, at the level of a Canada or a USA or even a Finland, uh, we didn't hear as much. But she had some remarkable performances on the international stage. I mean, she was at the World Championships at seventeen. She was an Olympian at eighteen years old. Um, she's had a hell of a career, spent the last uh, number of years, I think close to a decade here playing mostly against men in Germany and then women's events at the world championships. And she talked a little bit about that too, in terms of, you know, the differences it's not, you know, like we, we hear guys and, and, and women talk about going from North American ranks to European ranks, um, you know, for international events and what an adjustment that is for her. The adjustment was going from playing against men to playing against the women quite often. So, uh, we get into that as well. Um, just a whole bunch of different great takeaways from a goaltender who I think might be a little overlooked in terms of just how freaking good she was, especially on the international stage for the last, uh, you know, like well over a decade NCAA championship uh, and then playing pro hockey over in Europe ever since. A setup means a couple of things with Jenny Har. So one uh, with Woody and uh, making sure that we're prepared for this conversation. The other one is she had some great looks uh, on the ice. It was awesome. Yeah, we get into her custom gear at the end for sure. Yeah, it uh, it's outstanding. So enjoy this one with Jenny Harz, the feature interview on In Goal Radio, the podcast brought to you by Sensorina. Really pleased to welcome to the Ingold Radio podcast Jenny Harris, who just retired. Unfortunately, this is this is uh, us welcoming you to the podcast. Perhaps too late. The news of your retirement uh, shocked us a little bit because you're still playing at such a high level. Can you walk us through um, the decision and that because it couldn't have been easy and and what that process is like coming to that decision? Yeah, of course. First of all, thanks for having me. Yeah, so I just recently retired at the age of 34. Um, I just felt like it, it was time for something new. Or let's just say I didn't have the passion and fire as much anymore as I used to. And that's why I decided, um, yeah, it's time <laughs> to retire. Um, probably not an easy decision, you, but you, like you said, you've been, you've been playing the game for a while. Um, I go back to winning an NCAA championship in 2010, and it's hard for me to believe that that's 12 years ago. What about opportunities? Like what have you been up to for the last number of years and, and where have the opportunities sort of changed for you playing, uh, overseas and, and in Germany? And how has that sort of shifted over the last number of years in terms of keeping that passion alive to age 34? But has anything changed or is it just just sort of a matter of time in terms of opportunities and where you were playing? I mean, of course, um, it's always a hard decision because hockey has been like a huge part of my life. And I got to experience a lot of great things. Um, played hockey um, growing up in Germany, youth hockey all the way um, to like a men's team. Um, I also played in the women's league and then 
in between that, I, I got the opportunity to play college hockey for the University of Minnesota Duluth. And I have to say that was definitely um, a great um, three years for me, not just um, from a hockey point of view, but also um, getting the education, getting to meet new people from a different part of the world, learning the language and all that kind of stuff. I think that really helped me grow as a person and, of, of course, also as a goalie. And then after the three years, I went back to Germany and I've been playing with the guys um, growing up. So I went back to playing men's hockey and always um, while I was playing for the men, I always played for the national team as well. So um, got a lot of highlights there, world championships, went to two Olympics. So I think, yeah, I just got to experience a lot there. Yeah, world championships, couple of Olympics. You talk about playing at the NCAA level with uh, University of Minnesota Duluth, NCAA championship in 2010. I mean, you look at your career there over their three years, like save percentages in the 930s on a regular basis. Let's let's just start at the beginning. What? Uh, how, how did uh, how did young Jenny fall in love not just with the game but with the position of goaltending? What drew you to this position? I think when I was um, like super young, everybody on my team um, had to try goalie. And yeah, I don't know. It just fascinated me from the start. And I think at the beginning it was like, oh, I didn't want to do all the skating, <laughs> which is which is funny because pretty much now people say like as a goalie, you have to be a really good skater, which is true. So I don't know. But then it just was so much more fun for me. So I stayed in net and I really enjoyed like, stopping the puck and going from left to right and i don't know it, it was just always so much fun for me to catch that small little black thing in terms of being a goalie and that decision and when you once you make it and embrace it like do you have to have the mentality is it sort of a prerequisite that you want to be that last line of defense that you're willing to accept that responsibilities and maybe embrace that pressure and and i guess over the years like you see like you said like massive stages like the Olympics, World Championships, NCAA Championships. Are there any tips, anything, any advice you can share? Did you ever get nervous? How did you manage that in terms of embracing and managing the spotlight that comes with being a goalie? Is it innate or is it something you can learn? I think it's a combination of both. I mean, of course, like when you started, you, um, you know, like you have a lot of attention as a goalie. So obviously you need to enjoy that. But then you also like... Um, controlling your nerves is something I for sure think you can learn it's just like I mean pretty much um, being in a game it's not different than being um, in a practice you still have to do the same thing so I think it's just important to know like what you have to do to stop the puck and everything that's around you it doesn't matter if it's parents or fans or yeah whatever it may be um, like just don't let it distract you. Just stay focused and do what you have to do to stop the puck. And it's the same like in practice. Kind of like being in school. It's kind of like that, that old saying about school, right? Where if you're prepared for a test, you're not nervous about it. And maybe approach practice the same way would you, you would preparing for an exam. If you do all the work beforehand, it's a little easy once the game starts. I mean, I for sure think that preparation is key. The better you prepare the less you have to worry about anything. If you have your warm-up routine, if you like have your supplements or whatever you drink during a game, if you have that already before, you do your warm-up routine, you feel good, you step on the ice, 
you do like maybe also a warm up routine on the ice. If you do all that kind of stuff and you can tell yourself, well, I did everything that I could to be ready to perform now, that gives you automatically a good feeling and helps you um, not to be nervous. Can you walk us through or share how some of the things that you used to do to get into that mode in terms of those routines pregame and maybe how they evolved over your career or, you know, um, how they changed, what types of things became more important than others? You know, were you a visualization person heading into a game or was it just more about getting ready physically? I think it's a combination of both and I'm sure it changed a lot over the years, but I'll tell you like my most recent routine. So I would get to the ring and just change, get into my warm-up stuff. And I always had like my um, my set mobility warm-up routine. So I do, or I'm still doing a lot of yoga. So it's also based a lot on, yeah, my yoga routine. I would do my warm-ups, my off-ice warm-ups. Then I would always go for like a, a little run, like a more dynamic warm-up, um, do some like um, dynamic stretching sprints just getting the heart rate up getting moving and then i would usually just hang out in the locker room for a little bit um yeah focus on the game yeah visualize um think about what's important what i need to do um yeah and then put my gear on um (laughs) i usually like to get um dressed pretty quick and be ready and just sit there for a while and that's when I also like would visualize a little more and then go out on the ice, um, have like my one shooter who's giving me some warm up shots. And then, I mean, the, the team on ice warm up starts and yeah, then you head back into the locker room. I mean, I always had like my supplements, something to drink. I usually like eating a banana during the game. I had this already. And then, yeah, right before you go out on the ice, I would really, yeah, <laughs> focus on myself and um, go through what could happen or not and visualize. And yeah, and then you go out and do what you got to do, stop packs. Those moments in the locker room, um, sitting around, uh, you know, like I said, there's, there, there's probably times there where you, you said you're visualizing and you're sort of in your own little world. Did you also like, we hear from different goalies and we hear from different teams about how they interact with their goalies in a pregame environment. Um, some goalies are just sort of in, in, in the moment and so sort of in, within themselves and their moment that they're not paying any attention to what's going on around the room. Others like to relax by having those conversations, just being a part of the group as they get ready, the hype and all those things. Where where'd you slide in there when you were having those quiet moments? Was it all internalized or were you engaging talking mixing it up with teammates as part of the preparation was that something that could help keep you loose or something you avoided for the most part no i would talk to my teammates i'm not like a person i didn't have my headphones on and didn't talk to anyone i usually listen to the locker room music um that one of the guys or one of my teammates put on but then i mean i'm not like chatting it up the whole time but it's just like if if some if there's something to talk about i would but if not then i would just sit there and relax you said it's evolved over the years i'm guessing it would have been a lot different as you you probably learned over the years what you needed to do to get ready to play but jenny some of your world championship experience like 17 years old olympic games at 18 years old like that's a lot of pressure those are big moments really early in, in your career. Do you remember how you sort of handled those? Were there times where you were nervous and were there were ways that you managed that side of things? 
when it when the nerves did appear did you have something to sort of help make them disappear or do you just embrace them a little bit well i feel like it, sometimes it's definitely a good thing to be a little nervous because if you're not nervous at all anymore then it's kind of like when your passion dies a little bit and that's i think how it was for me at the end i mean i for sure remember like my my first olympics in 2000 six but it was also kind of I was so young I feel like I didn't have any pressure because nobody expected anything of me whereas like over the years when you did well at a world championship then obviously everybody was expecting it over and over again I feel like the harder thing was to prove it over and over again and sometimes it's like you put too much pressure on yourself like you want to perform so well and you want to be so perfect so at some point I was asking myself, like, when are you satisfied as a goalie? Like, when can you say everything went fine? Yeah, of course, when you have a shutout. But often the teams I played for, I had like a lot of shots, so, especially like the German national team. So it's like I did a good, I had a good game, but we still lost. So it's always as a goalie, you always think like, oh, I could have stopped the last one. I could have made that extra save or special save. Yeah, so that's one thing that was always hard for me. Like, when are you, like, really satisfied with your performance and when not? Did you come up with ways to manage that? Because that's really hard. I mean, and a lot of young goalies go through that. Um, You know, actually goalies at every level. Like, the reality is I always say goaltending never exists in a vacuum, Um, especially when it comes to wins and losses. You can play great, you know, and if your team's given up a ton of shots or a ton of quality looks, it may just not be enough. How did you sort of manage the emotions and the conflicting emotions of feeling like you played well, but hey, the team didn't win? Did you sort of, did you get an answer on, you know, your question about (laughs) when's it good enough? Well, not like a hundred percent clear answer, but I I told myself, you just have to find the balance. Like, kind of like I evaluated myself after every game. And they looked like, did I everything that I could to make that save? And when the answer was yes, then yeah, then that's just how it is. There will be great goals against where it's like, whoa, damn, I just couldn't do anything about that. But then you just have to be very critical. And did I really try and work super hard to like look past like the screen? Or did I just say, oh, I didn't see it because somebody wasn't standing in front of me. So I think you just have to find the balance in between that. I mean, yes, be hard on yourself, but you're also just human. You cannot stop them all. Well, I'm guessing at the beginning because there, there's, I mean, especially when you have a career like you did and you're as competitive as you seem to be, that you usually felt like there, like you were probably more critical of yourself early on would be my guess when you did those reviews. Like as much as even the rest of the world might look at a goal and be like, ah, no chance for the goalie. You're probably thinking, I could have done this, that, or this different. Um, did you use video to get through that process? Like, were you breaking it down afterwards? And th- that being realistic, like you said, we're always sort of looking for better and we're always sort of striving for, you know, the next thing we could have done. Um, is that part of that review process? Being like, hey, like realistically, this puck's going in a lot of the times, but I still could have maybe like you said, looked off this earlier or got more rotation on this push? Like, um, was it video that helped you go through that process or were you relying mostly on just sort of your own emotions in the time post game? Yeah, I think video is definitely a really great tool um, to review a game. And it's interesting because sometimes you're like, oh, I think this 
like a certain situation happened a certain way, but then when you watch it in video, there might be a few factors that you didn't really see like that on the ice. So I for sure think video um, gives you a good chance um, to look like at a goal against or also a save again. And maybe it opens up also some other stuff that you didn't see on the ice that you will now pay like more attention to. What was your roots in sort of goalie coaching? Like what type of exposure did you have to it? Obviously, you were on the national team at a very young age. But like you said, starting playing goal early. I'm always curious. We see, you know, here in North America, we see kids getting goalie coaches at like seven, eight years old. And yet, to be honest, I still see a lot of discrepancy. Like I see more more coaching available to the men's side than I do to the women's. Uh, I'm always a little taken aback sometimes when I find out like some of the elite level highest end goalies on the women's side didn't have a goalie coach till later on. And I'm wondering where where your experience fits in that spectrum. So I grew up playing in Füssen. Some people that play internationally might know that small town because uh, a lot of tournaments actually happen there. And we did have a goalie coach early on. And it was like we were one of the only teams in this area who had a goalie coach. And we actually had a good a lot of good goalies that came from Füssen. So for example, Thomas Greis, playing in the NHL right now. Yeah, we he, know Greiser. Uh, yeah, he he's from Füssen too. So, um, and there are many more um, German goalies that came from the Füssen school. But I have to say, um, yes, I did have a goalie coach growing up, but it's nothing compared to now. Because like you said, in the US, Canada, yeah, they're six, seven year, years old. They're getting individual lessons. It's still not like that here. I mean, there are a bunch of goalie schools um, where I would also go in the summer. But otherwise, even in the women's league here, um, yeah, they don't have they're not working with a goalie coach. And for the national team, I think it wasn't until 2014 until we um, had a goalie coach with us like most of the time before that. It was great if a goalie coach showed up once or twice a year. So obviously that's very sad. And um, by now it's a lot different. We do have a goalie coach um, at the senior women's team, at the U18, U16 team. And I think it's so important to work individually with the goalie. The flip side of that is without as much access to it, even though you had it at an early age in Fusion, I'm guessing there were would have been stretches and periods uh, over the years where you didn't have as much access to it. Um you probably have to learn to manage your own game. So in those moments where you didn't have that outside influence helping you, how did you, because we've seen it, right? Like it, it can go the other way too. You can become so coached or so reliant on a coach that you, you're unable to sort of execute things in your own, in your own way or without sort of looking for approval. Like we see goalies sort of run into that problem where they become so reliant on a goalie coach to sort of help them through every problem you would have had to solve a lot of them on your own at different points along the way. How'd you do it? Like, what were some of the different, were you watching other goalies? Were you studying the game? Goalie coaches periodically helping you out? Like, how'd you sort of come to the understanding of how Jenny Harst needs to play to be at her best? Well, I definitely liked watching other goalies. And it doesn't matter if the goalie played like in a good league or bad league. I just, like to watch a lot of different goalies and i mean nowadays that's a lot easier because of the internet and instagram right. so 
I think if when you don't have a goalie coach available, one, yeah, watch other goalies. What are do they doing well? Like why or why are they stopping more puck? What are they doing better than me? Um, just kind of yeah, see and look what they're doing um, good, and then try and copy it. Because when you teach like a young kid, um, yeah, let's say how to do a butterfly, you always show them first. You're not explaining the butterfly in words. You show them. They look at you, and that's how the the easiest way of them like learning. And then they try it, and then then you correct them. But um, yeah, just watching video. <laughs> Just be curious and be open. And I always, I always said like, um, it doesn't matter how good the goal is. There's always something to learn. Didn't know were there any favorites? I mean, we, we've we've talked to goalies over the years. Well, they'll sort of emulate one goalie at one point in their career, or another at a different point. Did you have any sort of go tos when you were reviewing video where it's like, you know, I, I want to see see how this this goalie is playing right now. This is this is someone I want to emulate or. Uh, success they're having something I want to sort of see if I can put an element of it into my game well growing up um, the first like role model I had was um, the national team goalie at that time her name was Steffi Kürten so I um, really liked her but I also remember my college days um, I really enjoyed um, watching Marc-Andre Fleury still do <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, there are a few more um, German goalies, but probably the names wouldn't really um, tell you guys too much. But yeah, like I said, I never had one favorite goalie. It was more like watching a bunch of different ones. Well, and I should ask you, you know, I, I'm asking all these questions about how you came to sort of understand the way you need to play and how it evolved over the years towards the end, like, or maybe what you consider your peak, what were the staples of your game? What were the, were there any elements where, or when it drifted, when your game maybe wasn't feeling as good to you as you would like, were there elements you always came back to as sort of, for lack of a better term, anchors that got you, you know, back to playing your best? Yeah, I mean, I think whenever it wasn't going my way, what you can always do, like try and really focus and battle for every puck. But also like when I would give up a bad goal, like kind of think quick, oh, what was I doing bad? Am I too deep in my net? Do I need to be further out? Or am I playing it too aggressively? Um, I mean, usually when you get scored on, <laughs> do a quick check, like where am I standing? What's my positioning? Am I square to the puck? Just the little things. Usually it's not the fancy um, stuff. It's the basics you have to go back to. Isn't it amazing? Like we can, you, you talked about Instagram and, and watching uh, goalies through Instagram these days. And you can watch goalies flying around doing all the drills. But at the end of the day, it's about finding a way to be set and square, you know, before release more times than not. Yeah, exactly. That's so true. Is there anything that changed over the years? I mean, you, you played through, you know, an era where we would have seen, you know, when you were starting, it would have been all about the VH. And by the time you finished, it would all about the reverse or the reverse VH. Were there other things that you saw come in and out over your career in terms of focal points or, you know, even even what some considered the basics? You know, I think sometimes over the last 14 years, we've gotten a little carried away with some of the fancy stuff there too, in terms of, you know, how we teach them. Were there any trends that you remember the most or things that stuck out to you as your game evolved over the years? When I started, um, I was learning the butterfly already. And I was like, 
one of the guys who did the butterflies and the older ones were like, oh yeah, she's already doing the butterfly. <laughs> so I remember that. So the two pads back, I wasn't really learning too much anymore. But yeah, it's funny because VH and reverse VH, that's the perfect example. At the beginning, I had such a hard time playing um, or using the reverse VH, but yeah, <laughs> at the right timing. I mean, it's still, you see it so often and you think, oh, he shouldn't have done it right there. But it's just, I feel like young goalies, they're only learning the reverse VH now. Whereas like the VH, I feel like sometimes also has some advantages, but that's like, then you have to um, use them or learn them both in a good way. At tools in the toolbox and all about pulling out the right ones. Exactly. Yeah. Learn to read a game. That's the other skill that, that I think gets lost a little bit. Um, we work so much with goalies on, you know, technique and in and out of the posts and skating and things like that. But the ability to read a game, to anticipate a game, how important do you think that is? And and how did that evolve for you? Is it just experience-based or are there things you think goalies can do to get better at reading the patterns that, that emerge in front of us? Well, reading the game, is it's, it's huge. And to be honest, growing up, I feel like that's something I didn't really learn too much or didn't pay too much attention to. But it makes your life so much easier, like reading, like, is it a, like, is it a two on one? How much room does he have? Like, how aggressive do I need to play it? How long is the distance I need to push from A to B? I think it's super important. And um, yeah, the better you understand it, it will make your life so much easier. Does it know? Is it something that just came with experience? All those sort of the answers to those questions, Jenny, like, you know, how I play a two-on-one, if I'm aggressive, I, that means I've got to go further out, like, uh, or further across if he gets the pass through and things like that. Like, did those, how to read, you know, whether a guy's or passing or shooting or, or on an odd man rush, those types of little things, did they, did they just come with time? Did they become innate or are, thing, are there things you do or did over your career to, uh, for lack of a better term, sort of study them and try and learn them quicker? I mean, I think for sure it comes with experience. I think one very important thing is to know your strengths and weaknesses because for the one person, um, like maybe a smaller goalie does need to play it a little more aggressive because just, yeah, he, she is smaller. Um, so I think reading the game, you need to know what you're good at and, um, yeah, take advantage of that then. Over the years, with all, all the different levels of shooters you saw, like did did it change too? Moving in and out of, from the women's game to you said, I know you've been playing against men in Germany as well. Did, do you have to adjust your reads? I guess in part based on their style, but based on their strength as well in terms of shooting versus passing and some of those different aspects. And did it did it help at all? Like, you know, I think I think the common question when we think of saying Europe versus North America, we ask goalies. Is there an adjustment when you go from a big rink to a small rink? And I guess in a similar vein, is there an adjustment? Do you have to play differently when you're playing against the men versus when you're when you go to a world championship and you're playing against fellow women? Do you have to make adjustments in your reads and your positioning and all those elements? Is it kind of like changing a rink size? Is it is it quick? Is it fast? Or is it something you have to be very conscious of when you go into that? Yes. The answer is yes, and it's not easy. Um, to be honest, it usually took me a few practices to switch back and forth because um, playing with the men, it was usually faster. So switching to women's hockey, I had to be a little more patient. 
um, which can, was quite the challenge for me usually. Um, yeah, also, I mean, the men usually shoot harder, but then on the other hand, like the women are super skilled and like from a technical point of view, they're very good. Yeah, so I did have to adjust often like the way, um, yeah, my depth and how aggressive I was playing. But I think um, when I, let's say, came from playing with the men, switched to playing with the girls, then a few practice, practices, it came automatically. Like, you do get into a routine again. And yeah, but it wasn't always easy. No, it would be hard. And especially that patience thing. I mean, I would imagine there's probably nothing more frustrating as a goalie than going too early. Or, you know, like like making that push too early because you're expecting it to be bang, bang and realizing later you have time just based on uh, whether it's the level of play or whatever having changed. Like that's probably one of the more frustrating things any goalies ever experienced. So I can see how that would be that would be a tough adjustment. Does does it was it a choice for you? You mentioned that there's women's league there now. Um, what were some of the options in recent years? How has that changed? Um, was it just a, a decision you made to play against the men because that's where you wanted to be or walk me through, you know, I'm unfamiliar with what the options are in Europe a little bit. So maybe help our audience, you know, as we see leagues emerging and changing here in North America, what some of the options were for you overseas? Yeah. So pretty much growing up, um, yeah, boys and girls play together, together. And then, um, yeah. So when you're on the German national team, you have the opportunity to be in the army in like a sports company. So, um, some of our national team players, not the whole team, um, they're sports soldiers. So pretty much they can do it professionally. And then, yeah, you have the option to play in the women's league. And, um, yeah, I mean, as a goalie, it's always easier to play with the men just because you don't have the physical, um, contact. And yes, for me, it was always the choice to play with the men because I felt like it's, it's, yeah, it's a better level. It's more professional. The shots are better. And I was used to it just because I grew up with it. But otherwise, I mean, yeah, the best opportunity you have, like from a women's hockey point of view is college hockey. And like I said earlier, that was probably one of the best steps that I made. And. I enjoyed every second of it. I learned a lot on, but also off the ice. And yeah, I guess one more option you do have right now as a female hockey player is the Swedish League, which right. unfortunately I never did. I had the options a few times to join a team in the playoffs. But like I said, we have that sports company program. And I mean, we always have ongoing contracts. So for me, it would have been, yeah, very hard um, yeah, to leave the army and yeah, go and play in Sweden. Like from like a hockey point of view, it would have been a great experience because the league is getting better and better. But I guess financially, the Swedish league is also not there yet where we would like it to be. And then, I mean, yeah, the, the leagues in the U.S., Canada, they're still working on it. I hope one day there will be a professional league. So after college, you you have an option right away. And it's not so hard for you to make a decision. Oh, where should I go now? Right. And for you, was the decision to go home like just automatic right away? Because I'm, I'm trying to think back. And, you know, I apologize for not knowing the history off the top of my head. But, you know, 2012, when you're done university, you know, I'm trying to think of what the options would have been over here. I don't think there would have been many, and they certainly wouldn't have been enough 
to sort of um, earn a living by any means. Yeah, no, there was not really any options in the U.S. or Canada there. I mean, there are a few teams, but you know how it is. <laughs> There's so many good Canadian and American players. So right. usually they fill up with them pretty quick. And then there might be a few spots with European players. But like I said, since we have that sports company and the army, um, yeah, that was the best way for me to go. So I got to ask about because I didn't I, I, I was ignorant again. I apologize to sort of that that arrangement and that the sports company in the army aspect of things. So does that mean you're in the army as you're playing? Like, are, are there actual training exercises and things you have to do? Like, you know, are you committing to a military portion of that to be a part of that program? Or is it just a way to sort of keep you playing sports for, for the athletes that are a part of it? So no, like I am a real soldier and I'm also wearing camo every now and then and I have to do some military training. But I also have to say um, that whole program, it's not just for hockey, but it's for all Olympic sports. Okay. Um, it is so you can train professionally. So I don't have to go to the army base too often, just every now and then. And otherwise. Otherwise, I'm in my training facility, training with my team, training with the national team, and I'm on the ice. Do you have any fears about like, like what's next for you? Like, is there an army component that you have to satisfy afterwards? Are you a reservist? Do you worry about, you know, ending up in the army long term? If something, you know, like I, I, the army's a big commitment to get to play sports. Like when I think of that, you know, the quote unquote, the army, I don't, what does it entail long term? I, and I'm, I apologize again, Jenny, for sort of not having, not knowing these things, but I'm, I'm really curious and really fascinated with, with what that commitment entails for you. Yeah. So how it works in the sports company is that we just get yearly contracts and it's based on our performance, if we get to keep it or not. Okay. But there is a program, if you have been in the army for a longer time, then they do support you like getting an education, you can go to college again or stuff like that where they support you. I mean, luckily, I did get my bachelor degree in, in the US, which obviously I'm very thankful for. And right now, I'm also I'm doing my master's right now in online marketing, but also just recently got my um, or I'm working on my coaching license. So that's also a field um, how I can stay connected with hockey. So, I mean, yes, there was a time when I was like, oh, God, what am I going to do when I'm done playing? But I think I did prepare myself um, in a good way. <laughs> so I think I don't have to be worried right now that there won't be anything out there for me. Coaching, is that something that uh, you you look at as just staying involved in the game? Or is it something where you, you could see a career building out of that as well? Um, you know, goalie coaching. As much as I bang, I've been banging the drum over here for a while that we need more European goalie coaches to get an opportunity in and around the National Hockey League. I and mean, we've got UC Parkela in the Stanley Cup final with the Colorado Avalanche um, this year. And look at how many years it took for that to happen. The other side was to, we need to get more women goalie coaches involved in the professional ranks. Because I think there's elements of um, the game that, and the position especially, that translate you know, universally, regardless of sex. And there are lessons um, that can be learned from from both sides. So is coaching is something that uh, you look at uh, as, as a pursuit, perhaps? Or is that more just stay involved in the game on the side of the online marketing? Or 
Is it too early to a- answer all these questions? We'll see how it goes. <laughs> um, well, yes, coaching is definitely in the picture right now. And it's definitely something um, I want to try and do and obviously help um, grow the game, um, especially in Germany and um, also goalies. And like you said, I mean, I think it's for sure important. It doesn't need to be like a, a gender question. It's, it's always about right. quality. But I definitely like seeing more and more um, women getting involved in the NHL. Just like a recent example, Jessica Campbell, she's Canadian and yep. she was coaching um, at the Men's World Championship for Germany as an assistant coach. And now she got the chance um with the Rangers. For the New York Rangers. Yeah, yeah, which is awesome. So I definitely hope that more and more women um, get the chance because I think a lot of women do have the quality to do that. And uh, on that note, like, what's the, the immediate future? I guess just finish, finish on, the, um, on, on the degree. Is that what the focus is right now? Or have you, you got other, things, other irons in the fire as you transition out of playing? Well, I'm actually really busy right now. So yes, I'm finishing my master's. I'm also doing my coaching license and I'm already working um, with some of the national teams um, in Germany, the women's national teams right now. So yes, I'm I'm busy right now and I'm working in all directions. Okay. So la- last one. I, and as busy as you are, I really appreciate your time and I'm taking up too much of it right now, but I, I can't let you go unless I ask about the gear. Because you had some of the best setups in the world with <laughs> your your national team gear and Bauer came up with some just incredible looking setups. Was that ever like was that part of the equation in terms of becoming a goalie? The, I mean, we hear, you know, a lot of people, it's the cool gear or how did gear fit into your passion for the game as as you grew up in the position? I think when I started, it wasn't really in the equation, but I have to say I really love designing my pads, my helmets and everything. Um, that was always a lot of fun. And I, I was so ha- happy um, when I um, got part of the Bauer campaign, the women's movement never stops. I mean, that was awesome. And yeah, I love their gear and I love designing it. And I, I do think, yeah, I had some good setups. <laughs> You did have some good setups. Now, what what would if I if 2022 gear was handed to to say like 2000 Jenny Hars playing just getting started, and I handed you a set of Bauer pads back then, what would the reaction have been? Like it's come so far, even during the course of your career, um, in terms of weight, in terms of performance. Uh, it's it's. Could you imagine having picked up what what they're wearing now back then? Yeah, I mean it's like a weight vest, but I was probably wearing when I started. <laughs> it's it's amazing um, how much it improved and how much lighter it got. And yeah, no, it's crazy. And the, I mean, the crazy thing is, it it they're not done yet. It's gonna get better and better. Uh, yeah, well, you retired just in time for the new Connect skates to come out. So I don't know if you had a chance to try those, but they're always innovating over at Bauer. So it was kind of cool to see see your setups and see your gear be a big part of that. Yeah, I was very happy with my my sets. <laughs> all right. So, hey, do you keep them all or, or do you have like what last one, like mementos from the career? I mean, uh, Olympics, world championships, um, national championships. Do you, what is the is there a trophy case? Do you keep old masks from national teams? What's what's the collection look like? 
So I I collected um yeah a bunch of my jerseys. I mean not all of them, but I've I don't know how many I have, but for sure a lot of jerseys. I kept all my helmets because the the paint jobs are always something special and individual, so I didn't want to sell them. I for right now I'm keeping the last two sets I played with, okay. but the rest I'm selling right now. I actually, um, yeah, <laughs> that's work in process right now. I am selling stuff right now um, because my basement is very full <laughs> and I have to clear it out a little bit. But no, I'm definitely keeping the last two ones because who knows um, if I need them again or not. <laughs> awesome. Good stuff. Well, hey, if that uh, if there's an online auction for gear or ever a link you need us to pass along, you let us know because the world of goaltenders would be uh, real keen to see what's in that basement and what's for sale. You know how us goalies love our... We, we geek out on our gear and the chance to maybe get something worn by a two-time Olympian, all those world championships, NCAA champion. Uh, I think there's a lot of goalies that would, would love that opportunity. So if we can ever help out posting a link, you just let us know. Oh, I will for sure. <laughs> okay, Jenny, thanks so much for your time today. Like I said, as busy as you are with the degree and with the coaching and all the things you have going on, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk to the Ingo Radio Podcast. I'm sorry this conversation didn't happen until after you retired. Uh, one of the great goalies on the women's side of the game for the last 14 years. Uh, it was a real pleasure sort of getting to catch up with you and getting to know you a little bit and getting to know your game and some of the lessons along the way. And I know our audience is going to enjoy it as well. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me. Double Olympian. I like that. World championships, playing uh, in the, the men's league, uh, NCAA champion after uh, three years at UMD, University of Minnesota Duluth. Uh, a lot going on with Jenny Harza. That was fun, Woody. Yeah, I know. And like what? Like I think nine or 10 appearances at the world championships over, over the course of her career. And so, you know, the reality is we're probably a bit remiss in not having had her on before she retired, but certainly um, she's one of those people that I intended to have on for the longest time. Hadn't I think I reached out once in the past, but uh, then when she announced her retirement, I'm, I was kind of kicking myself, but I'm like, I, I'm not just going to, I'm at least going to use this as an excuse to get her on the show. And I really enjoyed the conversation. Like I said, I think there's, uh, there's a lot of things you can take away from that one, no matter what level you play on it, right up to men's pro game, there are lessons in there that you can apply. And so Appreciate her time, as you heard there. She is very busy right now. It's got a lot going on. So taking the time to talk to us was sincerely appreciated. And I know the audience will appreciate the lessons that she left behind. Uh, we have a, a Stanley Cup final that uh, could be over by the next time that we get together. You guys uh, think that this could be a quick one, the way the first two games have gone? Or do you think it, it evens out? Hutch, you got to have an answer to this. You're, you're our sage wise one. Elliot Friedman is my sage wise one on that. Don't ever bet against Tampa. <laughs> oh, uh, yes. It's, it's like know, betting it's against Sidney Crosby. A little bit like betting against uh, Bazzi as well, who may have struggled a little bit here, but it's hard to watch those games and not imagine that it turns into a sweep, and yet it's hard to look at Tampa and not imagine they're going to find a way. Let's, let's not forget, we were, we were saying a lot of similar things about the Rangers up 2 nothing against Tampa Bay in the, in yeah, the last exactly, round. Yeah, exactly, so up to nothing in game three, but you're right. Like Colorado looks I hope like it goes longer. Yeah. Colorado looks like, uh, just like, I mean, they're just unbelievable defensively, offensively. There's so much talent there. Um, so maybe, but I'm with you. I wouldn't, I would not count 
him out. Hey, and let's, before we get, like, before we, you mentioned, you said, like, obviously Vassy struggled a little bit. And game two, yeah. Can we talk about the narrative that emerged from game one about him struggling early and the first time he gave up three goals? Like, which one did people want him to have? Like the one that went five hole that everybody's like, ah, oh, that's a soft goal because it went through him, went between his legs. Like that is a guy wide open at the hash marks, shooting high glove, and your defenseman puts a stick in and knocks it between your legs. Like if you're not reacting high glove on that, it's going in there. So I, I, and then the next one is a five on three backdoor tap in. Even the first one, yeah, leaks under his arm and gets banged into the empty net behind him, but there's a flash screen involved. I, that one to me was like, I couldn't believe how quickly online, especially and in social media, the narrative shifted to Vassy struggling. And then by the end of the game, Vassy overcoming his struggles. When watching the goals live, I'm like, I was just looking at him and be like, man, like, okay, the first one maybe, you know, because it leaked under the arm, but let's not ignore the screen. And the last two, I'm like, what goalie in what world is stopping those? So I had a problem with that. Hutch, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Does, does it not sound like Woody's had this conversation before, maybe in this dressing room, talking to his teammates? Like, which yeah, one or, do you want me to have? Or, or on the 75 radio hits he does around North America each week as well. <laughs> yeah, I, may, I may have brought this up on a few of them. <laughs> but, you know, I, it was interesting. Like, I, I agree absolutely with everything Woody just said there. I got the sense in the last game, so game number two now, because not everybody's listening to this the day we record it, I, I, I got the sense there was some insecurity or hesitancy about the way Vazzy was playing, a lack of trust for what might happen because of those flash screens and those tips and those things. And, and he hasn't come out and blamed anybody, I don't think, but you could see him retreating a little bit more. You could see him playing on his knees a little bit more, uh, moving east-west when he, he could have been staying on his feet, cheating a little bit on some of those two-on-ones. I, I, and I'm not saying that anything was extreme, but I got the sense that maybe he doesn't have that same comfort. Uh, behind his defense right now. Not saying it's all from game one, but it, it feels like there was something happening last game anyway. Yeah, no, and I was specifically talking about game one. The guy like, hey, man, you, you yeah, give yeah, up I seven on four expected. But I think they're related yeah. is what I'm okay. saying. Okay. Um, and the other part to me on there is like, uh, I think they'll get it. If there is an issue, they get it fixed. Uh, I, I, I got to share, I had the pleasure of sort of moderating in Hockey Canada um, discussion. They have their goaltending coaching certificate program is running in Calgary and the featured guest on Thursday through a zoom was Franz Jean of the Tampa Bay lightning. Ooh. So I moderated, um, an hour and a half with Franz and Franz being Franz, he's prepared and he brought clips and he went over sort of like a pro reads with Vassy, the things they look for, the system they execute. And there are a lot of his whole goal is black and white. Every decision is black and white, not a lot of gray area. Um, this is what we do on this play. This is what the system says. So if the system is fit, get, if they start failing to execute things in front of him, I could see how that would lead to second guessing, um, of what he's supposed to do. Cause everything they do is about making his reads as black and white as they can be. And as we all know, a lot of that is from reading off of your defense and being able to trust that, you know, what they're supposed to do is what they're going to do. But, um, you know, hopefully we'll maybe get to share that in the future. Uh, that presentation haven't confirmed that, but through Hockey Canada, like we have in the past with our audience at Ingle Mag and Ingle Premium, because it was, it was great, it was fantastic. And it, you know, I'll give you an example. Rangers, we talked about that series, and the Rangers went up two nothing in it after the first game, where I think they run a, they hung a six spot on them, a lot of lateral plays. 
Uh, Franz gets a text the next morning and it's Vassy and he wants to just go to the rink and it's the two of them with a couple shooters, like not a team practice, 40 minutes just working on lateral plays. And as that series went on, you saw him get more confident in hitting those spots uh, and taking those away uh, from the New York Rangers. So um, I guess that's all to say that, you know, the best goalie in the world, quote unquote, uh, doesn't come without a lot of work. And it was really cool to get a glimpse into how they do that work with Franjean, who's been with the Tampa Bay Lightning for the past 12 years. That's unbelievable. He doubles down on the work ethic and he's the best goaltender in the world. That's a great story in itself. Uh, thanks for that, Woody. It tells you something about him, right? It's not a, it's, when you get to that level, it's not a fluke, is it, boys? No, not not at all. Uh, flash screens. Uh, I don't think forwards, and uh, thankfully, uh, we don't have a lot of forwards that uh, chime in here uh, with us. But if they knew how effective those flash screens were, uh, they'd probably use it uh, a lot more. It is deadly uh, tough to to defend against that hutch. Definitely have to uh, not give away all our secrets here. No, no. Hey, we. Uh, I'll be spending um, a week this summer, as I do every summer at uh, Eli Wilson's top camp for midget AAA to junior goaltenders. And he works on this a lot and he pushes the goaltender, the players, excuse me, hard. If you work for Eli in the summer as a player, you will be exhausted um, because he wants to make sure that those flash screen drills provide a realistic scenario for the kids. There are numerous screen drills throughout the week. He builds towards them. Um, some incredible realistic game scenario drills, and he drives these guys hard. And, and as a result, the goaltenders are, are getting better and better prepared for these things. But because Eli pushes the shooters so hard in telling them what he needs to do for the goaltenders, the smart shooters are there and they're learning. So one tip would be if you are a shooter listening to this because uh, you're in the car and your brother or sister is a goaltender choosing to listen to the podcast, as I hope you all do, get a chance to work with a goaltending coach because that's where you're going to learn how to exploit weaknesses in goaltenders as, uh, as good goaltending coaches teach you to do because they want to improve their goaltenders as well. Woody, I, did the light just go on there? I, well, I mean, you know, one of the guys that I remember being the first at this, and I'm sure there were others before him, but he's had a pretty good career as a player, and that was Zach Parise. He used to always go to goalie schools um, with his brother Jordan and sort of learn from those, like learn what the goalies are trying to do so that once you understand what the goalies are trying to do, you can figure out how to beat it. And so we've seen it over the years at the net 360 camps, um, that alpha hockey runs with Ray Petkow and Adam Francilia up in Kelowna. It's not just that we're up, we're up there with like, you know, six to 10 NHL goalies, there's also NHL shooters and there's an element to going to school on what the goalies are doing there too. They see value in it. And, um, you know, so when a guy who's had a career like Parise talks about it, uh, I think that, uh, that tells you there is some value in, in trying to figure things out by being a shooter at a goalie school. One of the most remarkable. Oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. Well, I was just going to say one of the most remarkable moments at one of these camps was when, uh, John Quenville, I think he was playing in the American League at the time, I believe he's nephew of Joel, actually stopped the drill and brought all the goaltenders in and said, guys, you're making this way too easy for me. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's what you need to be doing. Um, so it actually turned around in that case and went in the other direction of the players being able to share a little bit of really? what they did. Oh. Yeah, it was fascinating. Yeah, and, and honestly, I can't even remember what it was. It had something to do 
with uh, glove positioning. Um, but it, it was fascinating. And then the other interesting one with him, and I, for obvious reasons, I won't name names, but uh, he was asked who the best goaltender uh, on the ice was. And he pointed to a young guy with very little experience and wasn't what you would see as the best goaltender on the ice. I'm going to say that generously. And why is that? And he said, because he won't get out of the way. He's looking for us to move and get out of the way and open up spaces. And of course, this guy was three, three steps behind everything that was happening. So he wasn't getting out of the way. <laughs> so sometimes we just have to not get out of the way. Less is more. Yes. I, I love those. That's my favorite part in that 360. I think my favorite year was Andrew Ladd and Devin Dubnik taking a knee in the slot and conversing back and forth as the other shooters took their turn on dead angle walkouts with, I, I can't remember it was Eddie Lack was Doobie's partner at the time, but, and, and Dubnik and Ladd basically going back and forth on what was available, what the shooter was seeing, Devin talking about what he's trying to do. And well, Hey, if I take that away from you, here's what you're going to have. And it was just, it was just an incredible sort of back and forth discussion. And I think the kind of thing that, as you said, Hutch, at the end of it, not only can shooters get better, but as goalies, we need to pay attention to what they're trying to do and what they're seeing because it'll help us get better too. And it's a big part of what they do up at Net360. And I cannot wait to be back up there in person again this summer. I'm never cutting Woody uh, or Hutch off again because that's awesome stuff. After I almost uh, went and started wrapping up the podcast. Uh, it reminds me of the drills that we have on uh, Ingle Magazine, uh, inglemag.com. It is uh, featuring some amazing uh, information for premium members, uh, throwing the puck over the back of the net and having to do uh, different uh, work uh, with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, that, that stuff, uh, it just it, honestly, it fascinated me through multiple different goaltenders, uh, Woody. You know what? And can I give a little plug too? That was, uh, of course, yeah. that one was Curtis Sanford sitting down with us going over... Um, a drill where they do throw it over the net and get into either reverse or reverse tracking on either side and then work their way out from that. There's a couple different versions uh, featured Spencer Martin, Arturs Silovs, and then we had one with Ian Clark and Thatcher Demko yes. doing it. We're ho going to hope to follow up with Ian and get a, a detailed breakdown on how Thatcher approaches it. Um, but a little love. Let's go back to another article. Ingle Magazine annual members can still find it in the archives. Just go to inglemag.com and search Panda Post Lock, because the Panda Post Lock, which was introduced to us by Thomas Spear and something that he was using with um, Dustin, Wol Dustin Wolf uh, with, with Stockton, um, your American hockey is American hot, like incredible rookie season in the American Hockey League. The Panda Post Lock was being taught at the annual global goalie retreat. And I saw that. Um, Kaz, a former former Nashville Predators uh, prospect and Toronto Maple Leafs prospect, uh, had it up on YouTube. It's sort of like, you, you goalies, you need to learn this. You need to try this. So I know Brian Decord um, uh, was the was the goalie coach that sort of brought it to that conference. And I know that you know he was really fascinated by it when it came out at ingolmag.com. So some love for our content. Like, guys, ingolmag.com is a chance for you to learn things at the same time as a lot of NH like NHL level goalie coaches are learning them. Like we have over 150 professional goalie coaches, NHL leagues all over the world that subscribe to it because there's content on there all the time that will help you get better as a goalie. If they're looking at it and then taking it to other camps with other professional goalies, why aren't you? It's your chance to get better. And at only 50 bucks a year, there is no better value out there.
And if you're wondering what the uh, Panda post lock is, just Google it and it comes right up. It's the first thing that appears. Uh, pro tips, the Panda post lock uh, in Goal Magazine. It's perfect. Uh, it's like even Google's on board with us. Trust me on that. Uh, David Hutchison, Kevin Woodley, I'm Darren Millard. Thanks to uh, Jenny Harz, as well as Cam over at the Hockey Shop, a source for sports, Surrey, for bringing us the latest edition of In Goal Radio, the podcast. 